Well, the situation obviously in Gaza is getting more dire. U.S. intelligence uh, confirmed yesterday, they say they have confirmation that Hamas is operating under the El Shifa hospital, the largest hospital in Gaza. And actually, as we speak, Israeli forces are conducting a precision raid inside that hospital. I guess they've located where Hamas is operating out of. And hopefully, Renee, it's in the tunnels underneath the hospital and not in the hospital itself where they're doing their best to treat patients under the circumstances. Yeah, when they say precise, sounds like it's going to have to be uh, super precise, needle and thread precise. And we just heard at the top of the hour news that there's going to be medical personnel standing by. There's going to be Arabic speakers. So hopefully this is done in a humane way because the people caught in the middle, uh, we heard yesterday that that they're digging mass graves at that hospital just because things have gotten so bad. So, um, yeah, it's 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 tough to update that every day. But you know what? It's important. Um, A very odd discovery. In your hometown the other day. Yeah, the body of a woman who sustained significant head trauma was found in a vehicle Monday night by Roosevelt Police, who also arrested the driver. Roosevelt Police say officers were called to an area of Gratiot near 94 for a report of a disabled vehicle around 11.15 p.m. on Monday. Upon arrival, officers discovered a man passed out behind the steering wheel and the body of a woman who appeared to have been attacked. The body belongs to a 45-year-old woman from Warren. She was dead. When officers found her, she appeared to have sustained significant trauma to her head and face. Uh, Her identity was not released. Police are investigating the woman's death as a homicide. Officials said Tuesday that they believe that the woman was physically assaulted, put in the vehicle and then driven to where the vehicle was located by officers. Law enforcement reportedly had to box in the disabled vehicle Monday night since the car was still in drive when police encountered it. The man in the driver's seat identified only as a 42-year-old Highland Park resident, was passed out. There was evidence in the vehicle that made police believe that the man was responsible for the woman's death. The man was taken into custody Monday night. Rosal Police said that they continue to investigate the case and they're working to determine where the homicide actually took place. Yeah, very bizarre. Number one, the car was still in drive, but it was disabled. The guy was passed out in the front seat. Yeah. You wonder if there was some kind of drugs involved, some kind of drug-fueled rage. I don't uh, know. But it's very I mean, scary. Yeah, I mean, especially that side of town. I mean, Roseville kind of, it had seen better days in the past, but it's it's kind of been on the come up. I mean, they've they've revamped Macomb Mall, and there's a whole bunch of new development around there. I've always felt safe. You and I are both East side. Yeah, kids. that's my hometown. I grew up uh, about two miles from that exact area. I've never, I, I frequent that area almost daily coming home. My mom still lives in that area. Uh, I've never felt unsafe. So uh, let's just hope that this is a, a very uh, strange, isolated incident. Yeah. And it, it sounds like the, the murder didn't actually happen in no. Roseville. It sounded mm-hmm. like they were trying to pass through or the guy sure. was trying to get away but yeah it's shocking to a somewhat sleepy community right and and yeah hopefully we find out number one hopefully the guy they took into custody is actually the guy responsible and we find out what happened at least for the victim and and her family very strange yesterday a michigan judge ruled to keep donald trump on the ballot 
here in Michigan after activists requested that he be removed due to the 14th Amendment, which is an old Civil War amendment uh, to keep seditionists and, and secessionists from running for office after um, the Union beat the Confederacy. Um, and actually, they, they, they announced who made the primary ballot yesterday. On the Republican side, um, Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum, they all joined President Trump on the ballot. I thought Hutchinson and Burgum dropped out, but uh, I, I guess if you like those guys, you can vote for them here in Michigan. Hey, stranger things have happened. Maybe they'll uh, never mind. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll get maybe they'll get a 1%. Yeah. Um, on the Democrat side, of course, President Biden, former Congressman Dean Phillips, author Marion Williamson. She kind of went viral back in 2020. I'm, I'm looking at my calendar to get my election year straight. You know, she was kind of like this spacey, new wavy uh, type candidate who who said some far out stuff. Did you do you remember she actually had a mega church here in I think it was Warren or Roseville, Renee? I do not. Back in the early 90s or 2000s. I know this because, you know, my my sister, she, she was kind of like trying to find what her thing is. You know how like kids do that when yeah. they're trying to try and. So she tried re- religion briefly, and she asked me if I wanted to go to her mega church with her. And I said, yeah, sure. I, I went once. It was kind of lit, but I only went once. She was a great <laughs> speaker. And I-, and I think Oprah was a follower of hers. for Really? So, yeah. Where was this church located? Do you remember? I want to say it was 696. What is just west of Grossbeck and Bunnard. Was it Hoover? Hoover, it, yeah. Hoover, yeah. Okay. I know there's just, a church yeah. over there. I was going to say, just just uh, drive up and down 696, uh, the service <laughs> drive on the south side. If you see a big, empty mega church, that was it. I wonder if it's by the old Chi-Chi's. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, a little, a little inspiration at Oprah's mega church and then some fried ice cream. That sounds like a nice little Sunday for me back fantastic. in Back when I could digest dairy. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I don't see RFK Jr. on this ballot. I know he's running as an independent. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah. So, uh, but, yes, Donald Trump. And I, didn't, I didn't think they would actually take Donald Trump off the ballot. I, I Robert Davis is the activist who requested it he's kind of pulled political stunts in the past and i i I don't think you can even talk about removing him from the ballot until he's found guilty in either georgia or the uh january 6th federal case right right uh a story we've been following for a a little while there are now charges in the death of this uh, ice hockey player who died during a game. Yeah, this is interesting. Police in England arrested a man Tuesday on suspicion of manslaughter in the death of American ice hockey player Adam Johnson, whose neck was cut by a skate during a game. Johnson, who's 29, was playing for the Nottingham Panthers against the Sheffield Steelers on October 28th uh, when a skate blade cut his neck in the Elite Ice Hockey League game at uh, Sheffield's Arena. South Yorkshire Police did not name the suspect or provide his age. He was in police custody. The player whose skate cut Johnson's neck was Matt Petgrave, who plays for Sheffield. Detective Chief Superintendent Bex Horst 
Weisfeld said, our investigation launched immediately following this tragedy, and we have been carrying out extensive inquiries ever since to piece together the events which led to the loss of Adam in these unprecedented circumstances. Johnson was a Minnesota native who appeared in a total of 13 NHL games with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 2018 and 19 and 1920 seasons. Um, This is interesting because, you know, you and I were talking off air about it. Hockey is a uh, very aggressive physical sport that leads to a lot of fighting. (laughs) Yeah. And I wish we knew what actually transpired here. Because, I, I I mean, this has happened one time. Like I said, there was that goaltender back in the 80s for, for the Buffalo Sabres who uh, he caught a skate to the neck when he was at the bottom of a scrum. Um, and I guess, I guess in that scenario, this would have been a freak accident. Um, but I, I guess I need to know more about how this guy's neck was cut with a skate because – you're, you're right, Renee. I mean, if, if if something happens to someone on the field of play and it's in the context of a sporting event and an accident happens, are you legally responsible? I, I mean, remember DeMar Hamlin uh, last season where uh, he was hit by uh, he took it. He, he took a hit from T Higgins of the Cincinnati Bengals to the chest and it was just a freak accident. It, it must right. have just hit him at the right time and his heart stopped. And, and, you know, T. Higgins did did nothing illegal other than make a football play, but he's playing the he game. Might, right. But he might have been responsible for his death if that happened. I remember years ago, Todd Bertuzzi for the Red Wings, he uh, someone on the Oilers, he was he was chasing him and he took his stick and did a baseball swing to the side of the guy's head. And they were talking about assault charges. So I wonder, did they look back on these tapes and say, well, looks like that was intentional. It looks like they were, looks like he was going for his throat. Yeah, like like you said earlier, maybe he did, maybe it was intentional, not in the respect that he meant to kill him. But he was going for harming him. Right. So maybe if they could prove that the action of, of this, uh, of, of the suspect um, making a move towards, towards the victim in a way that he was trying to hurt him. And that was uh, ultimately what led to his death. Maybe that's all they need to do to prove manslaughter because manslaughter means you killed someone, but you didn't mean to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, very unfortunate that what a gruesome way to die. Uh, You know, now that team uh, that he was playing on, they have all since decided for the upcoming season that they were all going to be wearing neck guards yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily want to see the tape, but I do want to know how it happened. Uh, my Our, friend did see the tape, and she said that it it ruined her day. It's oh, very really? hard to watch. Yeah. Well, may, maybe we might need to watch that just for uh, research purposes. Yeah. But. Very quickly, Steve from St. Clair Shores said that uh, he texted and said the Williamson Church is an uh, name is Renaissance Unity. Thank you, Steve. Yes. Right. You know, maybe maybe you and I were the uh, the same mass that one day. It, <laughs> yeah, it was a good show. It was a good show. All right. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. What a wild day on Capitol Hill yesterday, Renee. Is that what we were watching or was it a <laughs> WWE match? I'm not sure. 
I think it was Melrose Place, Washington, D.C. edition. Is that, um, yeah. <laughs> so first of all, the House passed uh, Speaker Mike Johnson's two-part spending bill to, ev- to avert a shutdown and, until January. I think uh, the first part of it expires in January. The second part of it expires in February. But that's not the weird part. Were you the a little weird- shocked by that? I was I was surprised at how fast it happened. Yeah. I think it's I, I was just I'm I'm so conditioned to the to the gridlock and the the BS that we saw last time. Right. Um that I thought I, I thought we'd at least see a shutdown through the weekend. Mm-hmm. But pleasantly surprised it, it passed pretty quickly. And you know, that that was shocking in and of itself. But what was really surprising is that I think I heard on the top of the hour news. The Freedom Caucus and 93 Republicans voted against it. The Democrats had Mike Johnson's back in getting this thing. What? Passed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not even the weirdest thing that happened in Washington, D.C. yesterday, Renee. And then? <laughs> and then, uh, I've never heard of this guy before. Uh, Tim Burchett, he's a, a Republican representative from Tennessee. He voted to oust Kevin McCarthy uh-huh. uh, last time. He said that the former speaker body checked him and elbowed him in the ch- in the I... kidneys as they were walking past each other after a meeting yesterday. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, somebody asked Kevin McCarthy about it. He's like, if I body checked him, he would have known about it. Okay, bro. All right, bro. <laughs> My husband was watching it on TV. He goes, you got to come in here and see this. What is happening? Right. And that's not even the weirdest thing that happened yesterday. (laughs) And then uh, in the Senate, there was a hearing uh, talking to uh, Sean O'Brien and Sean Fain actually was there, too. uh, Just talking (laughs) to him about, uh, you know, gains that the. Unions made in these last rounds of negotiations. Of course, uh, uh, the Teamsters, UPS, uh, they got that that big contract, uh, like six figures for for the average driver. It was, it was crazy. But there's this dude in the Senate named Mark Wayne Mullen, and him and Teamster President Sean O'Brien almost came to blows over a Twitter exchange they had back in July. Both men got up to go at it until Bernie Sanders actually actually shut it down. Who knew Bernie Sanders would be the voice of reason? And he was like, all right, knock it off. Stop it. And everybody listening, that was not a sound clip. That was just Renee's impression of Bernie Sanders. It's so spot on. Yeah, I got a little rasp in my voice today, so it worked. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I get I, – I, I don't know if I mentioned this. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, he used to be – uh, an MMA fighter. I know so he, he was towering. This guy, he looked huge. <laughs> but guess what? Sean O'Brien, he got up. He was ready to go too. He owes it backing <laughs> up. But it's so stupid. I love how a Twitter fight has spilled over into the how uh, into the halls of Congress. And Bernie Sanders is playing the referee. <laughs> right. This little eighty-year-old man just calmly tells <laughs> Mark Wayne Mullins, and he listens. I, you know, I guess that shows that there is some respect. In the Senate, but I don't know. I, I would put that more on Mark Wayne Mullen because he's he's the senator. Obviously, Sean O'Brien, he's supposed to be a professional too. But it, it sounded like Mark Wayne Mullen uh, was the one who invited the conflict. At least, at least in this instance, I don't know. I don't know the entire Twitter X beef backstory between the two of them. But by the way, it, did, it, I'm sorry. 
Go, go ahead. Did you see that uh, Sean Fain looking like a distinguished gentleman with his uh, beard he's got going now? Yeah, he cleaned up pretty nicely. I know. He looked very nice. Well, like he's got his look. Right. He's got his own problems back home, though. Uh, I am surprised that this GM ratification boat, people are calling it too close to call. Last week, GM's truck assembly plant in Flint voted against it. There were two Ford plants that have voted against it. Ford's Kentucky truck plant and their Louisville assembly plant. But from all accounts, Ford is is cruising towards ratification uh, of this UAW Big Three agreement. But um, then yesterday, GM Spring Hill plant in Tennessee that was one that that was one of their big plants that got stricken or struck or striked, whatever the past tense is. Uh, they all voted thanks, but no thanks. And then another plant that went on strike. Delta, uh, GM's Delta plan in Lansing, that voted against that voted against the deal. So I don't know. I don't know why these plants are voting these this I, deal down. Yeah, I didn't see this coming. No, me either. I thought uh, I, I I thought they they it, it would be almost nearly unanimous. Right. Yeah, I thought they were uh, kind of in unison on this. Yeah, with Stellantis, it's a little too close to call because they just started voting, but. I don't know what is it are 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 they mad that the the pensions didn't get restored? That can't, sounds like what the sticking point was. It can't be the thirty two hour four day work week. I think everybody kind of knew that that was going to be a no go. I mean, you ask for it because if you don't ask, you don't get it. But it it can't be that. It's got to be the pensions or something. I've been I've been trying to find somebody speaking out as to why they would they would vote this deal down, especially because. Worst deals in the past have been ratified. So they're getting almost 30% uh, 30% pay raise, end of the two-tiered wage system, all these other benefits. And it, it at least with General Motors, this thing might struggle to pass. And then I, I don't know. I don't know what happens after that. I was going to say, do we go back to the drawing board? I, I don't know. What happens? I mean, Sean Fain has been a bulldog throughout this whole thing. And even he said – we squeezed every penny out of all these auto companies that we could. I fought and for he, you guys. What more do you want? Yeah, and he admitted that he was disappointed that they didn't reinstate pensions. But right. I, to me, it seems like a pretty dang good deal. Yeah. To the, to the point we've been talking about it, auto companies that aren't even represented by the by the UAW are, are raising wages uh, preemptively. Right, right. Yeah, this is a nice deal. Uh, so last night there was a contentious school board meeting in Oxford. Um, members of the community they were calling for a number of resignations after that guidepost solution report came out that said that this shooting was entirely preventable. Talked about all the missed opportunities to stop it. Uh, the parents of Tate Mirror, Madison Baldwin, and Justin Schilling they all spoke, and it was very emotional. And there's still two people who were on the school board back when the shooting happened that were on. And they, they were mostly the target of this. And I remember after the Guidepost Solutions report came out, Guidepost held a listening session. And that seemed to be, I would never say it was kind of healing because you can never heal from something like this. But at least the Guidepost Solutions report, I think it validated a lot of people and made a lot of people feel seen. And sure. this was 
this was kind of the opposite. This was this this was the community venting their anger at the people uh, they felt were responsible and quite frankly could have stopped this. Well, how do you not you know, how do these parents not have so much rage after learning so much was avoidable as part of that that investigation? Uh, I mean, you can obviously understand their rage. And how do you not resign after having uh, that blood on your hands, essentially? Uh, right. I, you know, you can you can definitely sympathize with these parents, empathize. Uh, yes. I don't understand how these these two people remain on the school board. And obviously there's nothing that can ever be done. No. To to to, to feel the fill fill the hole or stop this pain but at least i hope that the three parents who spoke last night at least got to say what they've been wanting to say since november of 2021 i hope they at least got that um and then in court things are pretty tumultuous as well jennifer crumley's attorney shannon smith is asking a judge to sanction oakland county prosecutor karen mcdonald for violating a gag order that prohibits her from speaking to the media about the Oxford High School shooting case. Uh, They cite a November 12th interview Karen McDonald did with Channel 7 as a violation of that gag order. And the prosecutors, um, they wrote in the uh, filing that prosecutors are held to an even higher standard that prosecutor McDonald ignores. On top of that, there's revelations in in, in this new court filing, the one that was filed uh, by the Crumbly's defense team mm-hmm. to get them to, to, to have two separate trials. Uh, it reveals that their son, the shooter, admitted to lying about asking for therapy in a text message to a friend after prosecutors blasted the crumblies for not heeding his plea for help. So uh, I'm sure that's a blind side to the prosecution. Oh, because, yeah. Uh, a big part of their case was that these were negligent parents. And I still believe they were negligent parents. I still believe that they were responsible for this in a big way. But that part of Carrie McDonald's case about how the shooter asked for help and these these parents ignored it. There were many that, other cries for help that were ignored. Right. Right. So hopefully the rest of the case is so strong that this is just a minor setback. But yeah. I know that was a big part of Karen McDonald's uh, prosecution strategy. All right. It's first thing. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale and WJR. And of course, this time of morning, we always like to drag Guy Lloyd and Jamie in here early ahead of JR morning. Wow. I got my foot coming <laughs> behind. I'm dragging my foot. <laughs> <laughs> You're a trooper, Lloyd. You're I know. a trooper. I know. Parsons, you know get your butt up. Get your butt up, Parsons. <laughs> well, well, Come I'm on. Awake. I'm, I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. It's a casual Wednesday for me over here. Yeah. Don't look it's, at my outfit. That's okay. No, I was I, I was channeling my inner senator at the uh, yeah. labor committee meeting yesterday. <laughs> Parsons, get yeah. your butt up. You going to get your yeah. butt up? I'll get my butt up. What We're gonna happened? We're going to do this right now. Right. Exactly. What happened? <laughs> Here's the thing. If I would have said to you yesterday... That Sean Fain's on Capitol Hill. There's going to be a fight. And Sean Fain was not involved in that fist fight. <laughs> I wouldn't believe it. Nope. He was the most dignified participant <laughs> on Capitol Hill. I mean, Sean, Sean Fain's looking at these guys saying, ooh, they're, they're a little bit intense. And I'm Sean Fain. <laughs> when Sean Fain and Bernie Sanders are the two most reasonable people uh, yeah. in the room, right. there's something wrong. That's right. My favorite part, Renee and I were talking about this, is how um, 
this uh, this this center. I forgot his name, but he's a former mixed martial Mullen, arts artist. Senator Mullen of Matt, Oklahoma. Chuck, Mark Wayne. Mark Wayne. Mark, Mark Wayne right. Mullen. Yeah. yeah. I I knew it sounded like a child star. Because you got to have three names to be an MMA guy, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and, or an assassin. You know, either one. <laughs> or a Disney kid. Uh, <laughs> But my favorite part is you had 80-year-old Bernie Sanders just casually telling Mark Wayne Mullen to sit down. He's a congressman. That was great. He said, you are a United States senator. Yeah. And he was absolutely right. I mean, this was over a Twitter beef. A Twitter beef is spilling over into the halls of Congress. That's embarrassing. Super embarrassing. No, what's embarrassing is what's the number one rule of Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club. (laughs) They violated violated the most important rule. That's what those secret tunnels underneath uh, the Capitol are for. (laughs) Right. There you go. And so that was the weirdest thing that happened yesterday. The second weirdest thing is that the Republicans had the... I'm sorry, that Democrats had the Republican speakers back in passing his two-part uh, stopgap funding measure. Does this give us hope that maybe next time around they'll pass something quicker that's a little more permanent, or no. am, I, uh, am I dreaming? No. No. In fact, this is like the last moment of grace for Speaker Johnson from yep. the House Freedom Caucus. Yep. Um, but, you know, they, look, this is one of the long we'll, – and we'll get into this uh, at 6. This is one of the, you know, this is one of those times when kicking the can down the road probably makes sense. You're right before a big holiday weekend. You really want a convulsive government shutdown, which includes the TSA and air traffic controllers and uh-uh. having them all upset and maybe yeah. staging walkouts? No. Good point. Um, and then speaking of Sean Fain – is it shocking to anyone else that this that this deal between the UAW and GM is now being too close to call? I thought that this would have passed with flying colors, and I really wish I really wish I knew why it was being voted down by so many uh, plants. Well, I know one of the plants is that uh, Pontiac Stamping Plant, um, and uh, some of the union workers there say they feel that uh, the deal left out veteran employees and retirees and, and fell short of their demand. Well, and then one of them's up in Flint, and that has always been one of the most militant. Oh, that's the militant one. Yeah, out absolutely. there. It's why General Motors has kind of pulled out of Flint big mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, Spring Hill, Tennessee, is kind of a head scratcher. You know, I. I've heard it said, and we'll t- we're, we're going to be talking with uh, Dan Howes about this, but, you know, the, the, the notion that, you know, Sean Fain does the work and then hands it off is true. It's up to the local leaders to sell this plan to, to the rank and file. And, yep. and it, it's quite possible that maybe Sean Fain overplayed his hand and overpromised. And, uh, you know, they were expecting it- more. Raised expectations too high. Has it ever happened where one of these deals after negotiations was what was not ratified? Mm. I'm trying to think. I, like Let's what? Dan House. Yeah. Good question. Dan would know. That's yeah. that's that's a NASC Google. I, I it's been a while since it's it's happened. Of course well, it's he, happened. I just can't recall the, the last, last time. time. Right. Especially one that where you saw these kinds of gains. You know where they went and had an incremental gain that really didn't get a much. Yeah, we've yeah. seen a lot of pushback. So what happens if they don't get this figured out? Uh, you go back to the drawing board, you sweeten it, and then the UAW leaders have to do a better job of selling it and explaining it. Real quick, what time's Dan Howes? Uh, Dan yeah. Howes, I don't have my rundown in front of me. I, <laughs> Just I listen did, to I, the I, whole I, show. Between 6 and Just, 9. Yeah. <laughs> right, there, you go. there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Bob.